0: Hello everyone, this is Seattle Who, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 11 of the Who's Play studio, WhoCast. I'm coming to you from our studio on Sunday, December 27th, very early here in uh, western Washington State, and I'm going to have a special guest for you. I actually spoke with uh, Zach Carey from Locker Room Access last night right after the game, and... We present now that conversation as uh, Zach and I break down what happened, why Gonzaga did what they did to the who's, what it all means, and why we as Wahoo fans shouldn't be particularly worried about it. And no, it's not because we won the championship we shouldn't worry about anything. Nope, it's because this really doesn't change how we see the trajectory of this team this year. Alright, so without further ado, here's me and Zach Carey. I'm here with Zachary, and we're gonna talk basketball. And maybe he's being heard, and maybe not. Maybe he's being recorded, maybe not. But we're just gonna talk hoops here. Uh, so <laughs> I, I noticed you uh, got into it with a couple of dudes on Twitter with the about Kihei. That was pretty funny.
1: Yeah, I, I should, I really shouldn't be doing that, but uh, I can't help myself sometimes. <laughs> I, I think it's warranted. I I don't know. I mean, I think he is kind of a Rorschach test for Virginia fans. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely um, caused a lot of conflict with his play. You know, I, I mean, for me, you know, someone called me a Kihei apologist. Yeah. You know, maybe I am. That's not how I would label myself. I'm definitely favorable to Kihei if for no other reason than for the last two years. I don't think he's had much help in the backcourt. And uh-huh. like, it was sort of, the, you know, it was the it was the storyline last year, right? You know, you know we're relying on Kihei so heavily. There's a lot of criticism there. He's turning the ball over, but you know he didn't have anyone in the in the backcourt with him. You know, Casey Marcel was a first year. He wasn't doing much. Thomas Tensai was a one dribble and shoot, you know, guy from the perimeter. Braxton Key doesn't, ha- you know, didn't have the best handle. It was more of a four playing small forward. Mm-hmm. And we think coming into this year, okay, we got Reese Beekman coming in. Be some backup point guard. Maybe we can play with Kie a little bit. Sam Hauser's is going to take some of the pressure off as a shooter. Now we got Trey Murphy. Okay, he's been a guard. Uh, he played, you know, guard his whole life until he, you know, became 6'7 and, and played center at Nice. Now he's 6'9, obviously. Um, but, you know, I think that hasn't been the case. You know, I, we, we've seen it in, in the blowouts. You know, we've seen guys be able to make plays, but – there's still just a a dearth of ability of creativity or, or just, you know, aggressiveness from anyone not named Kihei Clark. And if, for no other reason, you know, I appreciate his play for no other reason than he's willing to take his guy to the hoop and he can mm-hmm. get by someone. You know, if he's, you know, it's probably 50 50 if he's going to turn it over or, you know, make a basket or, or, or feed somebody for an open shot once he gets into the paint, but at least she's getting there. You know, right. and you have 15 today, 50, you know, seven for 14 shooting, uh, four, six, six turnovers. That's not a great stat line, but it's, it's pretty damn good. And, and with, with the team that we've got right now against the the length of Gonzaga, I, I think you have to take take this performance and be happy with it. And I think you have to question who else on this team can step up from a playmaking perspective. Sam Hauser's is a great offensive talent. Trey Murphy, great offensive talent. Can they put the ball on the floor? And that's the big question, I think, moving forward for this team on the offensive side of the ball. Defense, whole other thing. Uh, and we can get into that. But, you know, I think <laughs> a lot of people um, – put too much blame on Kihei uh I think probably I'm responsible for giving him too much credit at times and I will own that um but but I think you just you have to look at the whole scenario you have to look at the context of things and be aware that he's not getting a lot of help right now you know Reese Speakman isn't being aggressive um and and, you know it's just it's tough and it's so hard to evaluate and obviously everyone's kind of emotional right now we just got blown out on national tv but um you know, it, 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 I just think you can't keep too much blame on him when you look at his stat line right now. It's just
0: yeah, I, I thought it, overall Kihei, you know, played pretty well. I on the defensive end, he did a fantastic job. I mean, he had the matchup on Lee Suggs most of the time, and and Suggs only took one three point shot. Yeah, where I watched that Iowa game and. You know, we, I'm sure we watched that Iowa game, too, and it was told, you've got to pick up Suggs. You've got to stay with him. You can't give him space. And, you know, Kihei was on him and it really kept him under control. It was the big men that killed us. And um, that I, I just I, – I had a hard time. I couldn't even be upset over – how bad the game was going because I was just so impressed with, with Gonzaga and the way that they played and how well schooled and well drilled that team is. And man, they, you know, the actions, they they don't really run complicated actions, but they run them extremely well under recognition. And man, every time we made a mistake, yeah. They capitalized on it, you know. Every time they had a bad matchup with us, where they'd get one of their guys who had a, you know, an advantage over his defender, they would get right to him and they would take advantage of it. They're just
1: such a well-coached team. Yeah, really. It's it's just one of those things where I mean, it, and and frankly, you know, Tony Bennett doesn't run the most complicated stuff on offense, right? And if you if you look, I mean, just watching this team, you just get this feeling of like. Like this is what the best like this is like this is just what the best team in the country should look like mm-hmm. and and they they're not running tons of complicated stuff as you said they're just like, yeah, we're better than you and we're gonna beat you because we're smart and we're incredibly skilled you know they and they all have
0: great recognition you know, and they get the they constantly move and they know what they're doing like I was watching and i I remarked to somebody in the house here that about how, Halfway through the first half, we didn't look like we knew what we were doing.
1: Yeah,
0: we didn't. We looked on offense like we weren't really sure of what we're supposed to be doing. Defensively, the, most of the guys that are playing have very little experience in the defense. Yeah, and it showed today. And you know, Raftery said in a month this team's going to look totally different, and I think he's right. But and offensively, I. I'm gonna beat this drum all season long. I'm still. It it surprised me when they when we came out in a brand new offense at the start of the season, and it surprised me when that offense had no ball screens in it. Yep. And then, you know, I I, I've down the years have come become a big fan of of ball screens for us, and you know, we did a good we. That continuity ball screen offense worked very well for us for two years, and you've got a a tandem in in Clark and and Huff that ran that ball screen offense as well as any tandem in the country last year. You add guys that can help make it work even better, and then you just completely throw it out the window. I just... yeah, It's just a strategic decision I don't understand, and you know, even today, you know, the end of the first half when we made that run, what were we running?
1: Hard ball screens with Key, Clark, and Jay Huff. Yep. Yeah. Or, or, or Sam so Huff, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's um, – I, I do think that, you know, when we talk about ball screens, right, so sort of the, the big, I don't know, storyline or, or sort of emphasis of the 2018, like, sort of revolution of, of Tony Bennett's offense and, and ever you know, if, you, if you're in X's and O's, like, like, we are, you know, this, you know, continuity ball screen. They went away from that, like in the sort of in like the last third of the year last year. It really, I mean, they, they went away from it kind of in a in second half, um, just to go like you said with with Jay Huff and Kiehe Clark. Um, and I think that I think the continuity ball screen said, and and Gonzaga runs it. You know, Gonzaga runs it mm. incredibly effectively. Um, is that you need to have likely three guards who can attack ball screens, right? And why we have a perfect front court in and, and Jay Huff and Sam Hauser and you know you can mix Trey Murphy in there perfect, perfect front mm-hmm. um, as as poppers. Uh, you know, Jay Huff is one of the best rollers to the hoop in the country. Yeah. Maybe you know, his length, his height, his finishing ability, he's ridiculous. You know, the you way know. he can adjust to a ball while he's on the move, I know, I know. it's it's, phenomenal. it's He can angle his body to Yeah. To, he, I mean to give Kihei the the opportunity to basically throw it wherever he needs to, wherever it's open. Um, but I think that sort of I, I do think you know, and, and I'll just I don't love defending the mover blocker offense, but for a moment I will. Um, we didn't see any. We saw very little traditional mover blocker, pin down, flare, screen, sides to offense today. Mm-hmm. We saw on my rough stats alone, we used it five times before we like put the scrubs in, not, not the scrubs in, but for like the last four minutes when it was on guys. And we ran a lot of that sort of five out read and react offense. You know, most of
0: what I saw. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, I got like 30 possessions of that. So that's uh, over 50%. I I don't have the numbers exactly. And we ran high ball screens, like 10, uh, uh, like 13 times, Um, which honestly, like, probably that's around the ideal amount that you want to run those high ball screens just because at a certain point, well, against a a team like Gonzaga against like William and Mary, you can run those all day and you'll have a field day. Um, I think that they needed to run more mover blocker today because it would have worn Gonzaga down some. And it's sort of one of those offenses because it's continuity based because it forces guards to run around screens the entire time. It can tire people out, especially if you're running it for 20, 25 seconds every time down the floor um, and because we have
0: any stats on on how the mover blocker did, because it looked like I saw it um, mostly early and yeah. saw a lot of turnovers.
1: Yeah, early on. 5- they, you,
0: the the thing, my problem with the with the mover blocker offense is, I think once once you kind of scout it and get familiar with with how to defend it, it's pretty easy to defend. No. And and unless you've got it, a post player who is a really very good post scorer,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, and
0: if we run it, I think what the mover blocker I like variation is when we do the lane wide, and where the the screener after that pin down run, comes out to the arc, we get a lot. Of, we get a lot of good looks off of. That variant of it. Um, yeah. And that fits our, our personality, the guys that we have as blockers setting the screens. Um, but I, I think why the mover blocker was so successful for Tony earlier in his career and has become so unsuccessful lately is that we didn't used to be a team that opponents would really put extra into preparing for. Mm. Yeah. You so, know, we were just another team on the schedule.
1: Yeah. And yeah.
0: so, you know, I don't think teams put as much into preparing to play us as they do now. And yeah. when they really scout and prepare to play that against that mover blocker, it is
1: it's just it's just too easy to shut down. I mean, and I mean the personnel is also very different. You right.
0: Know? And I think a couple years ago when I, w- I was charting possessions the way you do a couple years ago, and what I found the games where we were the most efficient were the games where we had the most variety. If, and it, whether it was mover blocker or the continuity ball screen, in the games where we predominantly ran one or the other we wouldn't do as well as the games where we ran yeah. each of them a lot and kind of switched back and forth. And Eventually that year, he, he it looked like he went into a sort of hybrid of the two where we would play the kind ball screen for a couple times and then they'd switch into the mover blocker and, and they'd run some mover blocker and then they would just – and that seemed to work very well. And I think that was because the players had gotten so comfortable. And, you know, we had really good creative offensive players yeah. on the floor. You know, they would – you know, Tony could almost just give them the ball and let them go create out of that offense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, I think also, you know, mover blocker, it's not always meant to be the most efficient offense. Like it's not, you know, that's sort of the point, like it's, and this is sort of what I've heard some grumblings from people in the program when, when they sort of see me tweeting out these stats about how the mover blocker isn't as efficient as sort of like, you know, it's, it's meant to allow them to do other things. It's meant to allow them to sort of have that variation of sets. Um, I think you know, if we look back, you know, five years to when Malcolm Brogdon and Leonard Brantes and, and Devin Hall, you know, a little bit further back in Joe Harris, you know, the mover blocker was effective, like you pointed out earlier, because they had a post presence because they had someone like, mm-hmm. you know, Kobe to a certain extent, mm-hmm. you know, Akil Mitchell could give you something. Um, you know, even Darion Atkins had a little bit of a sort of a baby floater at times. Um And there's just – you don't have that right now. And Jay Huff is very skilled, but he's not a back-to-the-basket guy. No,
0: he's not in his whole career. He's – you know, we subscribe to the synergy. And so I I look at the synergy sports things and, um, you know, you see our – Big man, the efficiency in the in the post is just not good. in Jay's yes. another one; he's just not a post scorer. And I think Tony recognized that, and I think that had a lot to do with with the five out, nope. five out set. 100%. But what I don't see, what I don't understand, what I can't wrap my head around is why he chose a five out set that has no ball screens in it. Yeah, like Villanova, Notre Dame, you see them; they've run a lot of five out stuff, and they've set ball screens yeah in it. And when you're not screening you don't you don't put the defense in enough situations where they have to rotate and make decisions. Right, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I agree. And with you. you know what I want to see, we saw it once today, what what I was hoping to see today out of that five out set, one of the things we do where we, we flash the guy into the that short corner area on the ball side and you get him the ball and he's kind of he posted up in there and he can he can do a lot of things. I wanted to see us run Sam Hauser, isolate Sam Hauser on Corey Kispert yeah. in that situation. Yeah. Sam's a very good post scorer. Yeah. And we saw it once, and Sam scored. Yeah. And I don't think we saw it again.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we saw – I think we might have seen it once or twice out of sort of a, an out-of-bounds play, but that's less so five out and more so just sort of a basic throw it in right money. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I think it's hard to rely on that for more than like five to eight possessions. But yeah, no, I I, I completely agree with you. You know, there's sort of the a lot of the reasoning, um, at least from what I've heard about the read and react, a lot of the reasoning for that was looking at sort of playing Sam Hauser at the four. And then when they sort of figured out that they wanted to request the waiver for Trey Murphy playing those two guys together. And sort of being guards that are not guards, but sort of wings that uh, could shoot the ball that you don't really want to just be having having them as sort of mover, blocker, screeners. Um, and, and it played into some of the recruitment of some of these these small forwards or power forwards that, that they've been recruiting recently. But uh, yeah, I mean, just the, the five out without ball screens, like you said, just puts too much the weight on the shoulders of Kihei. And, mm-hmm. and I'll come back to this repeatedly probably because I am a Kihei uh, sympathizer or, or apologist whatever you want to say. Um yeah, he does seem to be the only guy who can get a step on his man off the drill yeah, without a screen. That's the whole point, yeah. in right. the You need to have multiple guys who can do that
0: mm-hmm. or else
1: you're in a one-on-one ISO offense hoping Kihei can get by his guy and that the help defense is either too slow or too dramatic that he can kick it out.
0: Right, like Jay, you know, Jay and, and Trey Murphy are two guys who they can put the ball on the deck and go to the hoop if they can start it with a pump fake yes. and yes. take advantage of a closeout. Right. But right. they're not going to, you know, catch the ball set in that, in that stance and then beat their man off the dribble. Trey yeah. is still, he's uncomfortable doing that. And Sam, to, I... I don't want to. I don't like to be harsh on players, but I've just been very disappointed in what I've seen from Sam Hauser. Um, in that, you know, I I expected him to be pretty good working off the dribble, and his attempts to work off the dribble have been disastrous. A yeah. um, lot of turnovers, and he just his his handle seems loose. He doesn't seem confident with his handle. Except in the post, he's you know, pretty good yeah, that. doing that in the post. And so, I, you know, I'd like to see him spotted up in the corner, you know, to to catch threes. Uh, what I thought we were gonna do all season long was have Hauser in one corner, somebody else in the other corner, Walda Tensai maybe, Trey Murphy would be perfect there, yeah. and then have Kihei and Huff just run that ball screen to death.
1: Yeah,
0: because. You know what? What killed us in that offense last year was nobody could nobody could shoot the three, and so the teams were just diving off the corners, yeah. down into the lanes. And I was like, okay, yeah, if they can't let them dive into the lane off and leave Sam Hauser open in the corner, yeah,
1: you know, right.
0: so that's what I was expecting.
1: Yeah, and, and it's that sort of those sets have been effective. And just looking at my rough numbers right now today they scored about 9 13 13 points on like 11 possessions in in the ball screen stuff which is better than their other offenses mm-hmm. well no no more than that 19 points off of like 15 possessions sorry i'm, I'm doing quick math here right. uh, they they run a little bit of a spain sort of pick and roll thing where they i don't i don't, they they have like a, a sam camp down in the paint and then they run that that ball that ball screen high ball screen with kihei coming down at the, the right side jay down the left and then you pop sam out the back mm-hmm. on the left side there um we've seen a little bit of it this year um and, and yeah i mean i'm with you like I, I wish that they would sort of rely on some of that ball screen stuff a little bit more i think where it becomes an issue is if kihei has the ball in his hands too much i right. think i think he needs to I think his issue is once he gets in the paint, teams aren't always all that concerned because they're like, we could just have our big guy help, right? right? If you get sort of like shade over there for a contest, it cancels out a lot of that penetration, that value that you get from the penetration. And then teams aren't going to crash down as much when, you know, the big guy can sort of shadow rather than outright helping. Um but I do think that when he does penetrate, he needs to make a conscious effort to get the ball outside of the perimeter to those shooters who can get the opportunity to pump fake and then go, right? Because that's where you can get some of the, that Trey, that Sam, even Thomas Watanabe a little bit, sort of getting a, a you know attacking a, a defender that's closing out to them a little bit more, mm-hmm. going to generate those opportunities. Um, I really wish that Reese Beekman was showing more. Uh, attacking ball screens because i think he i think by the end of his career here he's going to be phenomenal doing that
0: right Uh, have we run it much with the ball in his
1: hands with him running we've done it some um he's it hasn't been incredibly effective Mm -hmm. i think the other aspect of that is you want kihei in a lot um and the issue is that you can't really like it gets complicated if you're running a ball screen for Reese and then Hayes in the corner just because he's not really a pump fake and drive it to the rim kind of guy. You know, like he can catch right. and shoot. Out there, you know, but like-
0: something we used to do a couple years ago in the continuity ball screen offense where we'd be setting the side ball screen over on this side. And yeah. then on the weak side, you'd have the two, it was two other perimeter players would be kind of going screening for each other. Yeah, over on that side. And I thought maybe we could do that with um, Kihei, you know, run the ball screen and then Reese can run the ball screen. Well, Kihei works with somebody else on the offside because Kihei, he actually became pretty good at running off the screens yeah. and get to the open spot and hitting the open shot. And that's how I, I thought they could work together.
1: Um, yeah. I think if you if you want to maximize the efficiency with those two guys on the court, continuity would probably be the way to go. And the the benefit of continuity is that you can cut. You can basically tell Casey Morcell if that's your third guard in there, say just or, or it'd probably be more like Trey Murphy or Thomas Porter Tenza, someone who can stretch the floor. We don't want you running up. We don't want you attacking off ball screens. You're just gonna cut through mm-hmm. when there's a guy there. You're always going to be the guy cutting through because usually when you switch sides, when you pass the the ball to the big man in the slot, and then he turns either, well, we'll say in this scenario to his left, there's going to be two guys there. One of them has to clear through to the backside. You can work it so that you only have Kihei and Reese going off ball. Yeah. The other guy might have to do it a little bit just to keep the motion going sometimes. Um, But I wish they would try that out just a little bit because when you have Sam and Jay setting those screens, defense is going to be have to be so hyper aware to the pop that that there's going to be driving lanes and when there's driving lanes and you clear big men out because you know ideally so you you run a ball screen on the right side wing with sam he pops into the corner jay pops up into the slot there's not going to be a big guy in the paint because they're so worried about those two guys as shooters right Right. then a Kihei or a Reese can get into the, the paint, and then the help has to come from the backside. If it doesn't come from the backside, you're feeding Sam or Jay. If it does come from the backside, then you're feeding ideally like Trey or Thomas or or you know Reese if he can hit a three. You know that, that's sort of an issue for him still. But you know I wish that we could see some of that this year. We've seen a a glimpse of some continuity stuff uh, with a big man popping up into the slot out of the mover blocker and some of that. Uh, yes we've seen just a little bit of that. Um, and it's actually been effective. It's it led to a couple of alley from like Trey to Jay, Jay Huff, Trey to um, but we haven't seen a lot of it. Uh, you know, a lot of it is just meant to get key A in ball screen scenarios, but I do wish they, they, they would try the continuity out. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's because Kirk Penny isn't on the staff. I don't know exactly what it is, um, why they don't want to go to that. If they're married to the five out uh, read and react set, but uh yeah, I, I, I do think that they're going to have to do some experimenting. That said, I, I think that if Tony Bennett is going to say anything, and I'm sure he's already said it in post-game pressers, it's going to be turnovers and defense, and they're not going to be as worried about the offensive scheme as they are going to be the other issues. Um, but I do think you need to find a way to help Kihei and give him – like I was on the Locker Room Access post-game show right before this, and um, Chris Havlicek, who, who we, we've had on, he made a really good point. And said, Nothing is easy on offense for this team right now. No. Like there's no, there's no Kyle guy come off a pin down or a double pin down for for a three that he's going to hit half the time. There's no sort of like feed it into the post uh, and, and get sort of an easy five to seven foot hook shot from from J-Hop. There's, you know, there, not that he would ever really be able to do that all that well. I mean, there's just you can't go to anything and say, dang, like we need a bucket just to get some of our momentum back. There's no sort of go to set or player you can go to right now. And that's an issue. And that's that's where you're like, all right, well, can we rely on our defense? And then you give up 98 points. And, and, and then just everything falls apart from there.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I can't think of a year. You know, I, I started watching carefully in January of 2014. I had watched um, all the way up through about 2004 and then <laughs> – for a while didn't really watch much and then um i was able to for a lot of it i was living out west and in days before espn3
1: yeah
0: it just you just didn't get yeah, no, no. <laughs> it's a totally different world but in the time that i've been watching closely since then i don't think we've ever had so little experience in the defense
1: yeah.
0: in the active rotation
1: mm-hmm. yeah it's uh yeah, I mean you just I think the two guys that I would point to, um, and not to call them out, sort of, as you said earlier, but if you just look at Sam Hauser and Trey Murphy, two transfers mm-hmm. from year, last year. Um, so I'm a little bit more forgiving to Trey than I than I than I would be for Sam. But uh if you just look at those two guys compared to the two that they replaced in Braxton P and Monday DP night mm-hmm. and day, those two guys were the leaders of the defense last year. They each Although Braxton had only played in it for a year, he's just an incredibly savvy defense. Has an incredibly savvy defense. But around. hey, his
0: first year, he you know he made a ton of mistakes too. No. Yeah. No, he did. You know, uh, hey, look, every every big man stinks his first year playing in fair, our defense, yeah. and I don't think a redshirt year really helps you learn the defense because yeah, you're not you know paying. in practice yeah. they're not learning the defense, they're learning the other team's defense because they're on the scout team. Yeah. So they don't really get the reps. No. They yeah. They don't. They don't. And so I, I've seen it. You see the guys. Their their, you know, their first year after redshirt. Even. I mean, Caden Shedrick's been surprisingly good. Yeah, he's been more impressive. Yeah. Impressive. For a first year big man. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I'm gonna kind of stand up for Sam a little bit there. I don't really think Sam is in that much better position than Trey to yeah. be good in our defense because. You, until you get out on the floor somebody once on the saber on the message board there said that um it takes a thousand minutes on the floor to master the defense yeah and uh, i talked to chris Wright about it once a couple years ago and he said it seems to hold it does seem to hold if you look jay huff hit a thousand minutes in the notre dame game last year and uh yeah really seem to get a lot better. And so these guys, like they, they just don't have the time in a system. Yeah. And they look good against William & Mary because you could tell they worked on it and they yeah. got things. But, you know, 20, then man. Gonzaga comes in and they're just masters. Yeah. And and it, to show that this is just a team that it's just not experienced in the defense. And well, I thought Gonzaga was going to put up 100 I said it a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And somebody on Twitter was, you know, posted a stat and in 300 and some odd games, Tony's defenses have never given up 100 points. But, and of course they still haven't, but.
1: Well, didn't they? I don't know. Maybe. Wasn't it like 2010 against Washington or something? I thought I saw that pop up. Maybe
0: that yeah. I think that. it was, it was before, it was back at the very beginning part of Tony's time yeah. here when he just didn't have the players. Yeah. You yeah, got to forgive that. Yeah.
1: I yeah. mean, the, you're right. I mean, yeah, the experience is the, that's the key in the, in the, in the pack line D and yeah, I mean, that's just, if you look at the starting lineup right now, the fact of the matter is that Kihei Clark has by far the most experience playing the pack line defense on this team.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: Not only is he a third year, but he's your five, nine point guard who you know he's a good he played phenomenally against Jalen Suggs. He uh, did. Yeah, he's a great on-ball defender. He gets. I mean, to be able to guard someone seven inches taller than you mm-hmm. like that—that's crazy. Um, obviously, Suggs wasn't being his most aggressive self because Kispert, you know, was like nine for twelve from three, um, so he was allowed to sort of be more complimentary. But Kihei, just by this, his stature is not going to be the most effective help defender, mm-hmm. right? And in the pack line defense, you need to have, uh, help defenders who are incredibly aware of what's going on. And, you know, to be aware of what's going on, you need to have experience, you know, and last year you had Mamadi Diakite cleaning everything up. Um, you know, Jay Huff was sort of your shot blocker, but Mamadi Diakite was the reason that Jay Huff could just be a shot blocker. Right. right? And, and, and Braxton for only having really a year ish in his system at the beginning of the season last year, um, you know, was was still a, a very good help defender. Yeah, he
0: was. Look, Braxton, his second year was, was really yeah. good, a yeah. really good defender. He, he he in the first year he learned it, and then all the lessons that he learned in the first year um, right. percolated over to the offseason, and he came back as a really good defender. So yeah, we had two really good help defenders yeah. last year, and they both left, and right. there's nobody. Our, our defense does work best when you have somebody who's what, what I call a, a horizontal disruptor, mm-hmm. somebody who can disrupt the offense by just covering so much space on the floor, like yeah. a defensive midfielder in soccer. You know, he's, right. he covers, You know, we had Akil yeah. Mitchell we used to do that, and then Isaiah Wilkins did it, and last year he had both Mamadi and um, Braxton doing that. This year, we, Jay's trying to do that because he's the only one who really knows the defense, and that you know he's clearly that's not you know his best role in the defense.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and he's gotten – I mean, he's improved so much through his career as a hedger. Uh, mm-hmm. He's still not great, uh, but he's what we got. And, and, and Jay, yeah, he's just kind – of, he's kind of – it's just – it's hard. Like, it's just so hard to play the back line defense when you don't have experience and you've hit on this, and, and you know, I'm just, you know, repeating what you said. But, yeah, and, and and the fact of the matter is that there's no elite defender on this team. Like, Kihei Clark, you can make the argument, elite defender. Um, but there's nobody on the wing that's, that's shutting anybody down just off no. of ability and athleticism alone. There's no one on the interior. Jay Jay's got the sort of shot blocking ability maybe to do so. Um, but he's also, I think he got, I think he got hosed today with some foul calls and I wish that we may, maybe could have seen some more of him, um, against Timmy one-on-one that I think Jay could have, could have done better than he did. Um, but, you know, there's just there's no lockdown defender in, uh, you know, in, in the front quarter on the wing. And when that's the case, you're just not going to be be able to contain top teams like this, especially when you don't have that, that horizontal, whatever you call it, a horizontal. Disruptor. Disruptor yeah. When, when you don't have that, I think that's actually a really, really good moniker for that. But, yeah, I mean, when you don't have that, you don't have lockdown defenders just off of their talent alone there's not a lot you can do. And then it just comes down to how fast can these guys learn the system in their first mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: It, this is kind of a year you, where you, you really hope there is a tournament because yeah. maybe the regular season is going to be a little bit rough, but you have to think by March, the, the ingredients are there to have a really fantastic team
1: Yeah,
0: because, um, and it, you know, it's unfortunate that those other three games get, got canceled.
1: It really is.
0: We're in – it's almost January, and this is the first, you know, Power 5 – not even Power 5, but, you know
1: – Yeah, no. That, that they're not a Power 5 We haven't even played a know, Power 5 team yet, guys.
0: They're the first Power 5 level team that we've played. Yeah. And it's a shock. Yeah. It's, you know, you San Francisco did some good stuff, and some of the coaches – the coaching that we've come up against is, has done a great job. Kent State – yeah, you know, they they did a very good job of adjusting, but it's not Gonzaga-level athletes. And yeah. so I yeah. you know, it fortunately nobody in the ACC is anywhere near as good as Gonzaga. Yeah. So we you know, we're still in great shape to win the ACC.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that was the next point I was going to make. <laughs>
0: I watched Louisville, Kentucky today until so I couldn't stand the the horrible <laughs> basketball anymore. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, mean, I think this. I think we do need to reframe expectations, maybe, for this team if they haven't been already. Um, it's not the end of the world that we lost this game. Like it's no. not like there's. We've already harped on the weaknesses for this team, but like if you just look at last year, and, and it's, I don't want to make the one to one comparison, even though I'm gonna make. A couple of comparisons um you know that Purdue loss uh-huh. right then we lost to South Carolina at home maybe I don't know maybe you relate that to, to the San Fran loss but there were some bad losses in there and yet they still ended up winning like what was it 11 to 12 and eight straight at the end of the year yeah it right? was crazy right? yeah and the ACC is still down like it's still down yeah. as you said there's I mean even 2013-14 you we lost by 35 to Tennessee that was, yeah that, that's the next perfect example and yeah, and then, then, then they go on the run that they did. And, and, they you know, they lost, I think, VCU maybe earlier that year. That was, mm-hmm. that was oh, bad. yeah, terrible.
0: Isn't, isn't
1: that
0: the year they lost to Green Bay? Yeah, it
1: is. They lost to the right. Green Bay, and they got beat
0: badly by Wisconsin, and then they got hammered by Tennessee. Yeah,
1: yeah, that was like
0: terrible until January 1st. T.H. Right. needs to get in Joe Harris's red truck, drive over to Tony's house, and say, Tony, we need to run the continuity ball screen offense. <laughs> I we, told need to, we need to run the continuity ball screen offense to simple simplify it get rid of all these other offenses and just run that and and learn the defense and we'll kill
1: people <laughs> an hour ago i tweeted who on this team is driving the pickup truck over to tony bennett's house on new year's eve and i'll tell you a funny story so i'm i'm 17 right so mm-hmm. I'll, I, uh, I used to live in Charlottesville when I was younger, like for elementary school. Um, and I, I was friends with a lot. I was friends with Eli Bennett, Tony Bennett's young uh-huh. son, lone son. Uh, we were really good buddies. And I, I spent some time at the Bennett's house and I was uh, 2013 or maybe, yeah, I guess it was 2013 new year's Eve day. I was over at his house.
0: Uh-huh.
1: We were just doing like random, you know, like we were like third grade or something just doing like random crap. And then I'm like, and then someone, you know, pick up, truck comes in the driveway i don't think anything of it we like go downstairs and play like 2k whatever it was 14 um and i come up like maybe an hour later and there's joe harris standing like like in the in the living room talking to tony bennett and like i'd like i would actually met him once or twice it was a pretty cool experience to, to get to know them um but yeah so like i was there when that happened wow. I, just i love to tell that story because <laughs> My mom likes to joke that, that the reason that that team turned around is because Joe Harris talked to me that day. That's uh, right. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, just the sort of a fun story, but um, yeah, I, I just there, there's a lot of issues with this team, and and I think Kihei is probably still the definitive leader of this team, um, and he's gonna have to figure some stuff out with Tony, <laughs> because, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Hopefully we can bounce back with a win against Notre Dame in a couple of days and sort of put this behind us to a certain degree. But, you know, in terms of sort of the reframe expectations thing I said a minute ago, um, this team can still win the ACC. And you said it. I mean, this team can win the ACC. They can win the ACC tournament. They can make a run in the tournament. I don't think that this team's making the Final Four, but you never know. I mean, with the talent this team has offensively, if they can get things clicking – Uh, And it's December, and and Tony Bennett has a a long history of improving teams as the season goes on and modifying. I
0: think you hit on something earlier. Sorry to cut you off, but (laughs) you hit on something earlier that I think is – originally when you said this team isn't going to get to the Final Four, I was going to jump in and say, oh, no, we got a lot of talent. But you know what? I I think what you said earlier is we don't really have anybody but Kihei who can put the ball on a deck and make plays putting the ball on a deck. And when you I think when you get deep in a tournament that you have to have that. So that might be what
1: holds this team back from that. Yeah, I mean that's sort of the thing that I've been harping on. And it's you know, I've I've had a long day of of coming on of uh, coming on podcasts. But I mean that's just the point that I keep harping on. You know, like it was well, I said halftime what I said post-game on locker and what I'm saying here again is that just like who is that guy? And my suspicion is that if it's anyone, it's Reese Beekman. And that's why I say mm-hmm. the continuity ball screen offense out 10 times against Notre Dame, clear Trey Murphy out to the corner and let those two guys run ball screens with, with Sam Hauser and Jay Hoff who mm-hmm. cool options there.
0: You know, it's interesting on the, the synergy sports statistics. When I was looking at Sam Hauser, he, he actually is his statistics were much better as the pick and roll ball handler. Then as the pick and roll roll man, mm. he was actually extremely efficient as the pick and roll ball handler, but not so much as as the the roll man. I thought that was a, an interesting statistical thing.
1: Was that at Marquette, or, or was that this year? Are yeah, we... I was at Marquette. Okay, okay. Yeah, his, his last year at Marquette. But that, that is interesting. Um, I you know I don't I don't have those numbers, but I, I'd assume that does interest me. I mean. I, Huh, you're making me think now. (laughs) But, uh,
0: I was thinking maybe it's because of, um, his ability to just pull up and shoot the three.
1: Kind of the only thing that I can really think of because I don't get behind the screen and shoot the three. You know, he's 6'9. Yeah, I I guess that that's probably why. I don't know. Because, I mean, if there's an open lane, he can get to the bucket, but like, um, and Sam Houser's a great player, and I probably ripped him too much today. And, and you know, great. No, he
0: played like shit today.
1: <laughs> he was terrible today. I mean, he yeah. just was. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and Trey I- Murphy was – his shooting was fantastic. I love the way he gets a shot off, man. He It's in his hand, and it's out yeah. very quickly. Yeah. And it makes him such a weapon. But defensively, he was a hot mess. Yeah. I Those think two guys were just – man Gonzaga, just abuse those two guys,
1: yeah, i mean if there's if there's one another positive takeaway, I mean Jabri rahim got some some mm-hmm. real money, which um I don't hundred percent know what Tony's thinking of maybe it's just let's put some more length on the floor, um but that's at least nice to see, I don't know, I mean if he could be anything for this team this year, that would be yeah great. I don't think that um. Like I, I don't
0: he could be that other wing that we need. He could be that other guy who can put the ball on the floor. If yeah. He can, you know, yeah. develop his
1: game. Yeah, I think he's still a little bit, he's not quite like, I don't want to say, maybe maybe explosive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sort of take a guy off the dribble and he's still got some work to do on his shot. And, and obviously defensively as a true first year. Um, but yeah, I mean, he could just, and part of that's likely Cody Statman still being banged up, so I don't want to put too much on that. But if you're just looking for positives to take away from today, it was good to see him get some minutes. I'm just scrolling mm-hmm. the box score right now to see what I can, as, if there's anything to. <laughs> Sam, how's yeah, yeah,
0: look, the other positive I draw from it is there's there's some great film. Yeah. I would look. I would tell the guys. I know it's painful, but watch this film and just watch what Gonzagi does. And every time, look, every time, find your mistake in every possession, find your mistake, Yeah. see how they capitalized on it, and then, you know, come up with an idea of what you should have done. Right. And then get together and talk about it. Because the f- film study and, and skull sessions based off of what they did what happens today could be invaluable for this team and could really make them a lot better in the long run.
1: Yeah, I mean that you know this is exposing every issue that exists right. for this team. We were hoping this we were hoping we would have found these things Yeah. 3 I'm weeks sure. ago
0: we were supposed to play Florida and Michigan State, you know, yeah. early and those are the kinds of teams that would
1: expose your weaknesses also.
0: Absolutely. But, you know, it just didn't happen.
1: Yeah, I, I just, you know, think about how different this year would be if, as you said, the first game was Florida instead of Towson. I mean, to, mm-hmm. I mean, the way I think we were all pretty psyched up after Towson, even if, you know, we were all sort of right. thinking, This is just Towson, you know, but like, yeah, you, know, you wish that you could, I mean, and I think with the San Fran game, like, I feel like we played like crap that game, you know? And, and, and so I, I don't know. Yeah. I just think this is, a wake up call. Well, you
0: guys had their coach on your podcast the other day. I listened to that. San Fran, yeah, the assistant, the yes. assistant, and um, you know, they made a couple of good adjustments. They saw things, and uh, you know, good coaching job by, yeah. by the opposition. Opposition. yeah, Yeah, not not to not to. And discuss. I saw um, today Gonzaga did a couple of things that the that the coach talked about, where he put um, they put yeah. the big man on, on McCoy, and they were able to help off a of McCoy. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I noticed mean, that. Yeah, because they put they put um I think Anton, I forget his first name, Watson, yeah, on Jay Huff. Right in points and, and he was a capable enough defender. But yeah, I mean it's uh yeah, I, I think they've yeah, I mean just just to go back to, to the point you're making, yeah. I mean I mean thank goodness they got this game in though. I mean right. they they, they I mean, I'm assuming there was already talks about a, like a home and home at some, you know, in the future between Mark Few and Tony Bennett, because like to get to pull this this off, this game, uh, that's that's huge. And sort of going in, it was always you're not gonna lose like even if you get blown out like we did, you're not losing a lot by playing this game. You know, right. you if, like you know, would we, three would, teams I'd
0: love to see us play every year if we could. It yeah. leads to a uh, Michigan State, Villanova, and Gonzaga.
1: I would, when you said three teams.
0: Thought, Michigan thought, State, yeah. because they're brawlers. So you'd get right. experience in, in that physical, you'd get your nose bloodied early in the season, and you don't yeah. And then Villanova and Gonzaga, just because of just how clinical they are and the challenges, the, yeah. what you would learn from playing those teams.
1: Yeah. I mean, so here, Carolina's going to look easy to these guys now. Oh, sure. I mean, so so here's my question for you. So say that say that in a perfect world, right, COVID is doesn't affect this team and and obviously, you know, perfect world is what a lot of people would wish for right now. But just for UVA basketball, if we can be selfish for a minute. Um if they play Florida, if they play Michigan State, Villanova and Gonzaga, like is this team like four and four right now on like, you know, that, that's sort of one thing I would like. Do we – at this point in the year, I would I think
0: we? we'd come out of those four games two and two.
1: Two and two? Okay.
0: Yeah. I um, think I, we would come out of those games two and two.
1: Yeah. Okay. That, that's fair. I mean, that's probably what I would say too, assuming maybe like a, a win over Florida and then a one over Michigan State or Nova, and I think we'd always lose this game. Yeah, um, yeah. Gonzaga is just better than everybody else this year. At this point, yeah. Yeah, well, there's Gonzaga and there's everybody
0: else. Look, Virginia is – Virginia is a team that has the ability to become a great team by the end. So, look, we have some really nice players.
1: Yeah. And I think
0: part of it is Tony just he, – he needs to figure out how he can take advantage of the strengths of the players that he's got. And I think he yeah, needs he, to make a couple hard decisions on guys who just – there's one player in particular who I love who I just think needs to have his ass nailed to the bench and just stay there because his decision-making is just atrocious and it's not getting any better – and I think later in his career, you know, I'm, I'm not at all writing this player off long-term, but right now I think he needs to have his ass nailed to the bench. And if that means you go with seven players, you go with seven players. Um, and I, I think just think he needs to figure those kinds of things out. And then, um, and he, he probably will. There's only been one season where I felt like he didn't figure it out, which was 2016, 17, Um Yeah. Every other year, I think at a certain point, even like he learns, the dude's introspect, he'll learn from these early season struggles. He learns from them. Yeah. And, and he's, you know, the culture is there. The guys will do the work. And so, you know, I'm still very bullish on February and March because some of our best teams in February and March have been our
1: worst teams in November and December. Oh, yeah. I mean, 2014 is the 2013-14 is the prime exam. And 15-16.
0: Uh, 15-16. They, they, yeah. They, they were, we lost some ACC games we never should have lost because right. you know Malcolm and and Gil were
1: saving their energy for February. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they they were like a seven lost team that year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they could not have been a seven lost team that year. No. Uh, to say seven losses is a lot is very privileged, but yeah. Right. Uh hey the defense you know we had some horrible defensive
0: stinkers early in the season that year. Yeah. Yeah. Because and see that year it was it was a different reason, right? Just you go back and you watch the video of the early season games and focus on Malcolm and Anthony Gill and then focus on them in in February it's like watching two totally different players. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think you know they learned from the season before where They didn't have any energy in March. They were like, Look, man, I'm not blowing my mental energy in December. I'm I'm gonna have it in March. And you know, up until the last what sixteen minutes of the season it it worked out for them.
1: (laughs) Oh man. I and this is going off on a tangent, but like and I'm sure a lot of people share the same opinion. Like UMBC hurt, but that Syracuse loss is still like the wor- my worst moment. As you- and I'm 17, so I've only been a fan since like 2011. Um, so I've been very lucky. Uh,
0: yeah, you have you got a long way to go to catch up to someone like me who's been a fan. since <laughs> <maybe>. <laughs>
1: There's been just yeah, there's been a lot of a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean just that yeah, that Syracuse loss. I mean, I cried and I was well, how old was that
0: like? Yeah, no, you know, it was.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was like, I was like thirteen. So, like, yeah. I mean, I, I like, I remember, I was, a, I was in Charlottesville. I was living in in Florida. Uh, I was at my grandparents' house, and it was raining outside. I just remember going outside, and, like sitting on their bench, and just like, ugh. But yeah, I mean, to, just to go back to that point, yeah. I mean, it's December. This is a skilled team. This is a team with a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they can patch things up defensively. Uh, execute a little bit better in some more advantageous schemes on the offensive end. They're going to win a lot of games this year and they've got the potential to make a run. Um, You know, guys are going to have to step up, um, you know, for them to, to reach their full potential, which is, you know, sort of the line that Tony likes to use a lot, especially late late in the year is just reaching their full potential. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, it's not out of the question that this team wins. Do you
0: think Tony's surprised by what happened today?
1: No. I don't think you're surprised. Yeah, them. I don't either. I think I think he expected it to be honest. Yeah, he
0: has said some things that kind of, you know, were like he said after the Mary game that we we're going to have to be better. We have, the things that they did against William Mary were good, but they were going to have to be so much better. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. I I just think elite caliber opponents are, is one thing in life that you cannot appreciate until you experience it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's why uh, it really hurt us in this game that we didn't get to play those other teams. Yeah. But also that it was very good. I think we're going to look back on March and say, man, it's a good thing we played. We got that Gonzaga game in.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, we. Uh, yeah, we we needed this game going into ACC play, and and like ACC is going to always going to be competitive, and we're going to lose some games this year. Probably some games we shouldn't, but. Um, you're not going to get the competition that you got in the ACC that you did today. And Mm -hmm.
0: and
1: to, to have sort of all those, as you said earlier, you know, being able to look back on the film of this game and see everything that we did wrong and everything that Gonzaga did, right. is going to be incredibly valuable. And I would tell
0: all those other guys to watch Caden Shedrick.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's the way he played today. The way he laid his ass out on the floor. He laid everything out on the line. That's yes. the way you all have to play. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. he really he got on the floor. He just he was the only one to me who looked like he was like desperate to.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, and if you just look at his stat line, like four rebounds, two assists, two fouls, zero for one shooting, no no points. Like, I mean, yeah. but the thing about like Shadrack like, and, and uh, uh, who's got next uh said this the other day it's like he's easily the most skilled big that tony bennett has ever had Mm -hmm. like if you just look at him um he's gonna be so good he's gonna be a beast he's gonna be so good you
0: know you mentioned just four rebounds that was in nine minutes
1: okay i didn't have the minutes up
0: yeah yeah i I switched over to visitor stats while you were talking yeah so four rebounds in nine minutes man that's that's really good
1: and he's, he's a beast on the offensive glass. I mean, his mm-hmm. all his aggressiveness that Jay Huff lacks at certain points. Mm-hmm. I mean, as you said, he's willing to put his body out on, just on the line and, and go for it. And I thought he gave Timmy the most trouble in the post. Yeah, no, he did. He's got the length, and he's a smarter positional defender, I think, than Huff is. Mm-hmm. And He's only, probably already stronger than him, mm-hmm. at least in, in the post.
0: I, I'm really happy that he's worked his way into the rotation. I'm very surprised.
1: Yeah, I was very
0: surprised. surprised. Coming into the season, I figured it was going to be Huff and Kaferro, yeah. and then Shedrick's year would come next year. But to yeah. see Shedrick move into that position that he is now, that's, that's fantastic because that kid's going to be a beast. Yeah. And, and I, Hey, I'd like to see maybe a little bit of him and Huff out there at the same time.
1: Honestly, yeah, I was honestly thinking the same thing. The matchup would have to be right. Right. I, I don't I, I think I think you could do it. Um could pose some issue, but yeah, I mean the, maybe against Carolina, maybe mm-hmm. that you run it against with their with their bigs in the front court. But yeah, I mean he gives you some versatility there. I think he can be sort of a four, and then with Jay being able to stretch the floor, you don't right. have to lose out there. Yeah. It's it's like
0: on defense. I can see Shedrick kind of being um, like almost like a Momdi Diakite, yeah. who was a good shot blocker, vertical and horizontal. Yeah, and Mamadi became for a guy of his frame, who's really kind of built like a five. He, he got so good at playing out on a perimeter, yeah. being able yeah. to, you know, I, I can Caden might be able to do some of that. He moves his
1: feet well. He does. He has good footwork like Mamadi does. I mean, mm-hmm. Mom was uh very rough early in his career and I think Caden isn't like Caden's much mm-hmm. smaller than was at this point and that's really exciting and and Caden's also I think like two or three inches taller than Momady. Yeah. He's like yeah, six, six eleven Momedy's six nine. Yeah yeah so that's that's encouraging and you know he's he's already shown some flash he did not quite have the jump shot or, or maybe the but he's got the potential there I mean Momadi always had a, a really nice stroke even if he wasn't hitting tons of shots mm-hmm. he might have to work on a little bit but yeah I mean he's he's got incredible potential and, and him and Reese like somebody tweeted at a, it out at one point they're like Kihei I think it was probably Brandon Lloyd tw- tweeted like Kihei and Reese are gonna be for four years is gonna be great and then I like retweeted and said yeah, I don't know, about four years, you know, And just like those two guys are going to be very talented once they hit their full potential for this program. And that's encouraging, you know, and even if this team doesn't make the run that we want them to. There's potential for them to be good in next year and the year after um, with guys like Trey Murphy and Kihei returning and obviously Sam J Jay are going to be big. And I'm getting way too ahead of myself. Yeah. <laughs> But there's but there's but there's reason to be encouraged, and, and there's mm-hmm. there's you know for anyone who sees this loss as like you know some sort of I don't know it, th- this is not the end of the world, the end of this program, the end of this team, you know. No, you gonna- I mean,
0: look right now. Gonzaga is at a level above everybody else, and right. and a team like that can make you look really bad.
1: Yeah. yeah, you're not as good
0: as you look against the William and Mary. You're not as bad as you look against the Gonzaga. Right, exactly. Yeah.
1: And that, that, it's going to be nice to see some of those sort of games against like a Notre Dame type of team, mm-hmm. that's all five team, but also isn't going to be, they're not elite by any means. Uh, and, and sort of see how we bounce back against some of those more mediocre teams, I guess you could say.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, Zach, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't even know if we're actually live, but if not, we're I'm recording it and we'll probably put out on a podcast tomorrow morning. So uh, A lot of good stuff. Hope to yeah. talk to you again.
1: Yeah, I appreciate having me on. All right. Thanks, Zach. Wah See ya.
0: So there you have it. Zach Carey from Locker Room Access. And that wraps up this episode. Our host, Val Prochuska, will be back for our next episode, which is going to be episode 12. And we're going to have a very special guest, Steve Swanson, the head women's soccer coach from the University of Virginia. Uh, We had Steve on last year. It was a great episode. We're expecting more of the same this year. Uh, Thanks to Coach Swanson for agreeing to come back to our show. And that's it for now. So everybody, hope you feel better after listening to me and Zach. And we will... Catch you next time. Wahoo Wa.